0: Well, good morning. It's good to see you all here. Uh, Ladies, some of you who were here last night, bear with me. You're going to hear some repeat of some stories, but uh, I I know that you will um, forgive me for that. Uh, Before I uh, go into a couple of psalms, two psalms, I want to Explore with you today are Psalm 119 and 121. But before they do that, I want to uh, give a a short introduction. Thirty-four years ago, I was in rural Uganda attending a confirmation service. For ten years, Amin had tried to destroy the church, murder families, and now for the first time the church could meet with freedom. It was a joyous occasion the women stayed up all night cooking because the whole village was invited to a feast. The church was crowded, the children were all excited. My husband was preaching on Doubting Thomas and I was sitting on the side bench. The church was pretty crowded. Looking over at the green Ugandan countryside. The windows had been bombed out so I had a clear view. As I was half listening to my husband I said to myself Could I ever Love these people Could I ever Love being here I had no answer But God did The service ended with communion And I went up to the table Drank the cup and ate the bread And Jesus met me Rosemary Here is the answer to your question I shed my blood for you I rose again for you. I ascended into heaven for you. I'm in heaven now, interceding for you. I will teach you. Well, I came out of that service with incredible joy and love. I told my husband after that I could stay here forever, and he could not believe what was coming out of the mouth of a grumbling and complaining woman. And that's the power of the Spirit. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. But I didn't know how to apply this to everyday life as we continue to live and work among these broken people. A few months later, we were in Switzerland on our way home, and all the confusion of living in Uganda hit me, and I started to cry, cry, weep, rather. Jack, I said to Jack, my husband, what is wrong with me? And that's when he said to me, "Rizmi, you act like an orphan. You don't trust, you don't believe, you don't rely on the Holy Spirit to guide you, to change you. At that moment, I knew he was right. I stopped in the middle of the road and repented and told Jesus, I am sorry, please forgive me. Now I saw the connection between the death of Christ and the presence of the Spirit. It is the Spirit who continues day by day to apply truth of who Jesus is and what he did to make us right with God. The second time... Into Uganda now. My husband was a professor at a seminary, and we could only go during the summer months and during the winter break. So the second time in Uganda was in in uh, in the spring. It was in the summertime. It was the same dirty country, buildings bombed, big potholes in the road, no food in the store, no water in the hotel. But I was now able to serve with a glad heart. Nothing in the country changed, but I did. On the second trip, I did get malaria, heard news from home that rocked my world, but my heart was steadfast. This was the work of the Spirit. So why do I tell you this story? I'm speaking today on different psalms that have impacted my life it was the spirit who applied them to my life at different times and my heart's desire is that we ask for the spirit to be the teacher today jesus knew his disciples would not make him would not make it after his crucifixion and resurrection if he did not send a helper he said i tell you the truth it is to your advantage that i go away For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I will not leave you as orphans. This is John 14, 15, and 16. Well worth meditating on. Another time, his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus then tells a story about a man who has a midnight visitor, but he has no bread to feed him. In the Mideastern culture, this brings a great shame to the host. So he goes to his house of a friend and asks for three loaves of bread because he has nothing to give to his, uh, his visitors. But the friend would not get up, gave him all kinds of excuses. I'm in bed with my children. It's too late. Just stop. But the man kept persisting. And by this time, probably the whole village is awake, and all the kids will wake up in the morning and say, oh, you know, my dad didn't get up and give my friend any bread, so he didn't want to be shamed either. <laughs> but he kept on, and finally he gets up. And then, then Jesus applies it this way. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The sense is you keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. It is the same when we come to hear God's, That, by the way, that's from Luke 11, uh, 1 to 13. It's well worth, I mean, I just gave you a small glimpse of it, but the important thing is, that Jesus promises, if you ask, he'll be given to you. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door should be open. But he's asking, and then he goes back to the Lord's Prayer, and he says, now this is how you pray, our Father in heaven. You know the words. Probably many times, maybe every Sunday, you pray those words. But you can't really pray them from your heart if the Holy Spirit doesn't teach you how to pray. <clears throat> when we come to the word of God, it is God's bread to us, so we ask. When we come, become believers, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, but we need a continuing filling, and this is what I tend to forget. As I stand before you, I am needy for the Spirit to speak through me, and you need the Spirit to hear so I'm just going to pause a minute and just pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you did not leave us alone. We Thank you that you are here today. And we ask now and invite the spirit to come. And, and Lord, I need it as much as anybody here. I need to hear again you speak. Uh, and, I, and I know the ladies before me need to hear you also. So I just give you this time and give you our hearts. For Jesus' sake, amen. Well, why talk on the Psalms? What do we do, where do we go when our hearts are cold, when we experience a long, dry period and sense the loss of God's presence? In the Psalm, we pray alongside those who have experienced bewilderment, suffering, Grief, fear, depression, doubts, attacks of the enemy. These are all struggles that we all deal with at one time or another. I was married to a theologian, so much of my view of God came through the grid of doctrine. The incredible truths I learned from Romans and Galatians shaped my heart to understanding the gospel of grace in a very profound way. These truths are foundational, but I needed to know how the gospel works in the grind of daily life. The disappointments, unfulfilled expectations, hurts, rejections, and I was also disturbed by how little impact reading God's word seemed to have on my life. The word of God is a double-edged sword, but in my life it seemed more like a putty Putty knife to keep a window in place, but not for the heart. So, a few years ago, I was going through one of those dry periods. I was hungry for God to speak to me. So, I started to speak. So, I decided to read through Psalm 119, which is the longest psalm, probably the longest book in the Bible. And it seemed to me to say the same things over and over, but I was desperate. I believe I turned to the psalm because David seemed to be connected to the presence of God in his life in a way I wasn't. And I wanted his thoughts to connect to my heart. It's divided into 22 sections, so one section a day seemed doable. When I finished the first time going through the whole psalm, I thought, well, I've been there, done that, now what? And the Spirit quietly reminded me that I needed to pray through it again. And again and again, and I did this for three years. It wasn 't that I didn't other, uh, and i 'm still doing it now. Uh, <clears throat> and, and I learned to listen to god 's word in a new and thoughtful way. in the first section, we are met with a desire to listen to God with our whole heart. We lost this listen, remember this, ladies. we lost this hard obedience when Adam and Eve sinned. Our hearts are often too filled with selfish desires, fears, shame, guilt, worry. But the psalmist goes on pleading with God that his ways would be steadfast, and if this happens, he would not be put to shame. David prays in verse 8, Oh, that my way may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. And then I shall not be put to shame. The first section ends with a plea for God not to forsake him. Notice the range of emotions expressed in these eight verses. Blessing to those who keep his testimonies that seek him with their whole heart. Notice how David's whole heart is engaged in seeking God's blessing. His plea that his ways would be steadfast. His praise when he knows he's keeping in step with God's ways. His plea at the end that God would not forsake him. All the emotions that somewhere along the line we all ex- feel. And, and and David is able, well, it doesn't say he wrote the psalm, but they're pretty sure he did. God's command, the prayer for heart obedience, knowing that he will not be ashamed when his eyes are fixed on God's commands. Brings praise to God when he learns God's ways. And the prayer not to be forsaken is the drumbeat of this section. Oh, what did I find in this psalm? I find that God delights in a heart given to him without reservation. The writer sees himself as weak and needy. I often feel the same. Do you ever feel that way? There's comfort in affliction, there's guidance for each day, there is eternal perspective on life, God's word gives light, keeps from sin, and gives hope. This psalm is also convicting. When I read, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all time," I found that's not always true of me, but I can repent, so this becomes a prayer of repentance. It also brings me to Jesus who never wavered one second from doing what God wanted to do with a whole heart. Verses 129 to 136 are a plea plea to keep his step steady and to let no sin have dominion over my life. It is my prayer for God's face to shine upon me. Next to these verses, I have penned five dates. I read psalms with my pen, so I underline. And if there's a date that this psalm has spoken in my heart, I put put that date there. Reminding me of times and places when I needed these words of instruction, guidance, hope, and comfort. I often face circumstances, well, all all the time, sorry, (laughs) not just often, in my work in London, I mean, they're, they're just too difficult for me. These ladies I work with, uh, friends with, are so different from me. Uh, and and I just, I just have learned in a new way what grace is and how to work out of grace, not out of just telling people what to do when everything in you says, just do this and you will live, you know. So Sonny says, great peace have they which love thy law. All my ways are before you. I've gone astray like... That says 168 to 176. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. There's much to ponder and pray over this psalm. If you take a section a day and pray through it in earnest prayer, you will find God's commandment makes you wiser than your enemies. You have more understanding than all your teachers'. And you understand more than the agent. Most important in the study of the Psalms, I found Christ. When Jesus appeared to his doubting disciples after his resurrection, he said, Everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, must be fulfilled. And the longer you maybe even go through like a gospel, let's say gospel of Matthew or Luke, and then go through the Psalms, you will find how many times what is said in the Psalms is fulfilled in in the Old Testament. Well, these are the Psalms that we'll meditate and pray through in our time together. Psalm 2. Which I'm sorry, which will come to the end, but I put it: the sovereignty of God over the nations, over all of life. This is why we pray. What do we mean when we pray, "That kingdom come"? Often, too, we're too busy building our own kingdoms, wanting success wherever we are, whether it's parenting or ministry or career. <clears throat> we have to. We have to watch that. Uh, Psalm one thirty one. Uh, How to Cultivate a Quiet Spirit. Uh, Psalm 143, Lots of Struggles. Learn the Path that's Carved Out for Us. Psalm 121, Facing Impossible Circumstances. 127, A Guide to Grace Parenting. And 51 and 32, Where Do We Go with Our Sins? Who is our teacher? It's the Holy Spirit. So... um, Uh, I would encourage you, Uh, most of us are busy, beyond busy, sometimes with small children or careers or family, pressures. There are just a lot of pressures in life. And and you could just take one section a day and just pray through it. I found that the first time around, I was just reading it. And it took two or three times before I could sincerely pray it from the heart. All right. Um, I have one more psalm in this section. Is that okay? (laughs) Uh, Psalm 121, Sarah? Is someone going to read that? Yeah. There are other psalms that quiet the heart, especially in time of real uncertainty, A few years ago, while in London, I began to have trouble eating. I was losing weight and did not know why. I came back to the U.S. for a granddaughter's wedding, and my doctor quickly scheduled tests, and tumors were discovered, and cancer was suspected. Now Psalm 121 became a reality. Like the psalmist, I had questions. Am I going to go through what my husband went through when he had cancer? Will I be able to return to London? I remember the first indication that something was wrong with Jack. His abdomen swelled and x ray showed he had a large growth in his stomach. It was painful to hear the news from the doctor, you have cancer. The memory of all Jack, what Jack went through was still vivid after 27 years, going through chemo, losing his appetite, his strength, his hair, and spending long days in the hospital. All that rushed back when I heard the doctor say to me, you have tumors growing on your stomach. As a psalmist wrote, I wondered, from where does my help come? My question was legitimate, but my heart needed to be settled on eternal truth and not the immediate future. Surgery was scheduled. scheduled two of my children gathered around my hospital bed. I asked my son to read Psalm 121. I needed those words at that moment. Would God keep my foot from slipping? Would God stay awake during the operation? Each question was answered in the psalm with a resounding yes. The doctor came into my room and listened as my son prayed through the psalm with me. Five hours later, still groggy, all I wanted to hear was God speaking to my heart. The tumors turned out to be cancer, but they were growing on the lining of the stomach, for you doctors, and they didn't invade the stomach, so I did not need chemo, and I did not need radiation. Since it, <clears throat> so God did not sleep. God was the shade on my right hand. He kept me from evil, kept me from harm. I know this does not always happen this, day, this way for everyone who suffers cancer, but the truth of the psalm remains the same no matter what the outcome. God continues to keep my feet. In London, my room on the second floor is the same in the U.S. So many times a day, I walk up and down the stairs and pray, Lord, do not let my foot slip. I also hold on to the rail. When I'm driving, I ask God to be on my right and my left, keeping me from hurting anybody or myself. It's an all-day prayer, not just for me, but for my family and the world that is slipping into a Christless eternity. I have a disabled granddaughter. When she was going to school, her mother knew when she would be walking up and down the stairs, so she prayed this psalm, God keep her feet from falling, and God did. This is a psalm about a caring and watchful God, the God who made heaven and earth, who watches over our feet, who is our shade, who keeps us from evil and takes notes of our comings and goings. Psalm 121 brings to mind the words of Isaiah, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. My feet have walked around potholes in Uganda, narrow paths and narrow winding roads in India, and the cluttered streets of South Hall into homes where needy widows live, bringing good news. God does reign. And just as I was praying with Jan this morning, I was telling my son Paul, who uh, maybe some of you have read his book, A Praying Life, Uh, And Julie was here last week. She works for my son. Uh, He said, Mom, you should tell them our story. When uh, Jill was expecting, his wife was expecting their fourth fourth child, she prayed this psalm. And as you heard, as Sarah read, one of the verses is, and there will no harm be to you. And she prayed that there would be no harm. And when the baby came, it was totally harmed. Autistic, she couldn't, uh, she, she has, uh, she can't talk, even today, she can't talk. She has, um, uh, she, she, ha- she can't walk very well. Uh, she has trouble learning uh, and, and, and multiple, multiple problems. And when Jill, Saw this baby, she wondered, "Is this song true?" Fast forward twenty years, and the fruit of of all, all of all that they went through with their daughter Kimberly comes to light. Paul learned how to pray for his daughter through through. So now you have a praying life. Uh, Jill became very involved with disabled children. Uh, Johnny Erickson, is that all her name, all familiar to you, became a good friend of theirs because she's also disabled. They go to a camp once a year. Jill reaches out to women who have disabled children. And now, just recently, a book came out that Jill Jill has written about how to teach disabled children to come to know Jesus. Well, sometimes when something happens and it feels like it's harm, God always has a bigger plan. And I want to leave you with this quote. From Augustine, O Lord, your will is so great that whatever is against your will, like disease, like cancer, like difficult disappointments, whatever is against your will accomplishes your will. Take the psalm to your heart. Let it soak into your soul all the perplexities of, of your life and all the confusions maybe, and let the Spirit speak to you. God bless